from the University of Texas at Austin, KUT Radio, this is In Black America. Sacramento in itself, very nice city to raise a family. Mm -hmm. Where I lived, however, was in Meadowview, which is an area dubbed Danger Island because of all the gang violence, the drug use, and just it was a very unstable environment for children school systems. It was not very productive for a young black boy to be in. My, my brother winded up, you know, falling prey to all the violence and gang activity and started selling drugs. I had lots of friends who did as well, but I, I myself took a different path and used that experience to propel me to change my destiny. I'm having friends pregnant at 15, friends murdered at 17, home invasions where moms were killed, you know, because of drug violence, I'm sorry, gang violence and of opposite gang members just wasn't what I wanted for my children. And it was a very stressful environment to be raised in. Maisha Dellinger, author, reality TV host, and founder and CEO of Curls Beauty Brands. Founded in 2002 in Elk Grove, California, Curls is leading the natural hair care industry. According to data from the National Association of Women Business Owners, 11 million companies are owned by women in this country, employing nearly 9 million people and generating $1.7 trillion in sales. Women of color face even more obstacles, even though they are more likely to jump into entrepreneurship. In 2018, 2.4 million businesses are owned by African-American women, outpacing their male counterparts. Besides being one of the pioneers in the natural hair care market, Dellinger is also the host of Mind Your Business with Maisha on the Oprah Winfrey Network. I'm Johnny O'Hanson Jr. and welcome to another edition of In Black America. On this week's program, Maisha Dellinger, founder and CEO of Curls Beauty Brands in Black America. I initially had four. I started with four for the adult line and four for the kids line because I instantly realized after doing my due diligence that there was also a need for quality, organic kids' hair care line, uh, products that have textured hair. So initially it was going to be adult only, but instantly we added the kids' line, four and four. It was a hydrating shampoo, a deep conditioner, a moisturizing leave-in conditioner, and a styling cream. The bare necessities for curly hair. And that was four for each of those brands. One for Because curls is for adults and curly cues for children. Now we have over 35 SKUs in the Curls Adult brand, 18 for Curly Cues for Kids, and we have a baby line as well. It's a curl. I added that after I had my last child and wanted to add, um, have an organic line that wasn't drying for her hair. So now we have three lines, and the products are available in Target, select Walmart, South, Sally Beauty, CVS, Rite Aid stores. As a child growing up in South Sacramento, California, Maisha Dellinger knew it was something greater out there than the neighborhood she grew up in. With $30,000 from her saving, Dellinger turned a creative thought into a multi-million dollar natural hair care enterprise, a family of organic hair care products for women embracing their natural textures. During the past 16 years, Curls has emerged as a leader in the natural hair care industry, offering products for women, kids, and babies. Curls has a multi-channel distribution strategy. Its products can be found in big box stores, beauty supply retailers, and professional salons and boutiques across the country. Before Dellinger launched Curls in 2002, she was employed in corporate America for Intel. Mindful of the circumstances she went through as a young girl, 
She now has an organization for young girls to assist them to where they want to go in life. Recently, In Black America spoke with this trailblazing entrepreneur. Sacramento in itself, very nice city to raise a family. Mm -hmm. Where I lived, however, was in Meadowview, which is an area dubbed Danger Island because of all the gang violence, the drug use, and just it was a very unstable environment for children. Poor uh, school systems. It was not very productive for a young black boy to be in. My, My brother wanted to you know, falling prey to all the violence and gang activity and started selling drugs. I had lots of friends who did as well. But I, I myself took a different path and used that experience to propel me to change my destiny. I'm having friends pregnant at 15, friends murdered at 17, home invasions where moms were killed, you know, because of drug violence, and, I'm sorry, gang violence and of opposite gang members. Just wasn't what I wanted for my children. And it was a very stressful environment to be raised in. But you had a reprieve every weekend when you went to visit your dad. Yes. My father, who never married my mom, because she, she came from the wrong side of the track, throw a track. She was not educated. Her family, no one finished high school, much of college. No one had an example or experienced success of any kind. My father's family, very opposite in Vivian Malone, civil rights activist who has done a lot in the community. Jeff Malone, ex-NBA player. Sharon Malone, Eric Holder, you know, U.S. Attorney General. These are people on that side. I didn't see them very often. I Mm -hmm. saw them every once in a while. I saw my dad twice a month. So he showed me sometimes twice a month. There are times where he dropped that away and didn't come to see me or pick me up. But for the most part, twice a month. And I saw how the other side lived. And I loved that I could actually, you know, not have to worry about where we're, when we're going to eat or, you know, heat, simple things as toilet paper, lunch money. You know, these mm-hmm. things were simple, but things that we worried about every day. How were you able to... With my father, Go ahead. mother money was an issue. How were you able to navigate between the two existences? Wow. <laughs> I felt very uncomfortable in the other world, being my father's world. I didn't mm-hmm. feel like I belonged, really. I, when I was with him, I was comfortable. When I was with my grandmother, his mother, I was comfortable. Anyone else, I, I, I didn't really understand, and so it felt like I didn't belong. My mother's family, I knew everyone. It was a very close-knit family. Every sibling of hers lived in, within a five-mile radius, five to ten mile. So all the cousins were together, which is a big family. Everyone was poor, but we had a very good time together. And I felt close to them, and I, that's who I grew up with. So I felt more connected with that side. Why was it important for you to stay focused while you were in school? Because education would change my destiny. My father, you know, drilled that in my head. He drilled that into my head. And he wanted me to see, you know, uh, civil rights leaders speak, like Jesse Jackson, or he was taking me to African American Museum. He would take me to, like, an Alvin Ailey dance show. He made sure to incorporate the positive side of black culture, and he pumped education. He definitely was pushing for me to, to do better and do more. And that, that push actually resonated with me. And I was already a self-starter anyway. My mother, I had to get myself from first grade on. First grade. I look at my children like, first grade, I would never let my child <laughs> do so much that I did. I got myself up and dressed and out and walked all over the school and home with the key. And I was responsible for getting my homework done. And I wasn't, I didn't have anyone helping me for my homework. I didn't have anyone telling me to do it. I was self-motivated. My brother wasn't, but he had the same, we were from the same 
raised by the same mother in the same household, and he chose to do something else. No, no one to look after him, but he went another way. What college did you attend? I went, I was planning to go to Spelman College, mm-hmm. and then I got pregnant with my first child. And I stayed local. I had to stay so my mom could help. So I wound up going to California State University, Sacramento, so that I could actually have assistance with raising my daughter while I finished school. Ms. Dellinger, why was it important for you to tell your story in, 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 in this work? Well, for a very long time, I was embarrassed of who I was, where I came from, my background. I was embarrassed of the fact that I was a, you know, unwed mother. I was embarrassed, and I and I didn't like to tell people where I lived when I lived in Sacramento. Everyone knew Meadowview, you know what that was. But I, I realized later, after I, I I had the success and escaped and changed my destiny, that now that I'm here today, I can take the story because there's so much that happened to me when you read the book. A lot, every single, you know, a lot of odds stacked against me that have happened to me sexually, physically, emotionally. That. I'm, I'm, a, I'm a victor, and I wanted to tell, share my story with someone who comes from the place I came from, a young girl that came from the project like I did, to show her that if I can do it, look, I did it, you can do it too. So I wanted to share it and not be embarrassed by it, but actually help to empower someone else with my story. Can you pinpoint any of the keys for your current success? I would say... Um, Resilience is important. I would say hard work, determination, not giving up. They're common traits with successful business people. You really, it's not about luck. It really isn't. Mm-hmm. If you're, it's not luck. It's working hard and, and having a laser focus on what you want to achieve and, 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 and just pursuing your goals without giving up. You have to be persistent and diligent and continue to work hard towards your goal. The more hard, the hard, if you pour hard work into something, you're going to reap the benefits of it. And again, I understand that not all businesses are successful because 80% fell within the first year. Mm-hmm. So, but failure can be a teacher. And I failed at one business of mine, but then I, I, I continued on with Curl. So sometimes failure happens, but you can lose, use that as a learning pad as well. Prior to forming Curl, you worked in corporate America, but that was not working out. Right. I actually loved, when I first got hired, I was so proud to have been selected to work for the prestigious Intel Corporation. You know, I was, it was a hard corporation to, 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 to navigate mm-hmm. and to even be interviewed for. And in and, and, and Sacramento, there aren't a lot of, you know, really big corporations like Intel. So being offered two jobs. <laughs> I had two different job offers. Right. I felt, wow, okay, this is amazing. I'm going to do an amazing work here. I'm going to show myself. I'm going to prove how, how how special I am in corporate America. I'm going to rise to the rank. And I was proud to be a corporate Intel citizen. And I planned to retire there. I didn't plan to leave Intel uh, until I met that one manager that had different, he had a different vision for me. It wasn't to keep me and to move me forward and propel me forward and help me grow and, and, and excel and do well. He wants rid of me. And I was a star performer. And so it, it was very evident what his motivation was the over time. It wasn't at first, but it became, it became very evident that it was racially charged. And I was so disappointed because I had never experienced that before. So I, I came in, I, I didn't come in <laughs> at Corporate America jaded. Mm-hmm. I had never experienced it. So I, didn't come in, I didn't come in looking for it. I didn't come in expecting it. I didn't come in thinking it would happen to me because I'm a hard worker, you know, and I'm different. So 
it did. And when it did, it was a big slap in my face. And it was a big wake-up call. And it let me know at that moment that this could happen to you again. Mm. And I'm not ready for this battle. I don't have to prove myself 10 times over just to be equal to my counterpart, my Caucasian counterpart. I want to be based on my my success is based on my effort mm-hmm. and the only way I can do that I felt was through entrepreneurship and I want to own if I'm gonna work this hard I better work this hard for myself so I can leave some behind for my children now you put up with this animosity towards you for seven years what led you to form your own company well I was at Intel for seven years but the whole situation with Mr. McCarthy was a two-year stint of okay. that four years a okay. five seven years because I came in as in, as a as an intern mm-hmm. and then I got when I graduated I stayed they, I got two job offers and I started my career there and so it was the midpoint of my career where I actually had Mr. McCarthy have that experience but shortly thereafter it was interesting because I was so stressed because Mr. McCarthy had put me on this corrective action plan which is Intel's way of getting rid of you in six months they have to document it and so mm-hmm. It's like pretty much to his process. And and God, I prayed about it because I was so stressed. I had this young baby to take care of. I was a single mother. I couldn't get employed. There was no room for that. And I prayed about it. I was so stressed. And God moved him to Malaysia. He took a job offer in Malaysia. <laughs> and that enabled me to interview with another department inside Intel because before that, he was trashing my name when people would call for a reference. So... I had a new manager, and the manager sang my praises. I got a better promotion at Intel, and I could have stayed and said, okay, whew, that was over. I made it. I'm going to stay at Intel. No, I went to my new job, but then I started making plans to leave and do my own thing. And so I started at that moment researching what kind of career, what kind of um, business I wanted to start. And I had five different ideas, but my fiancé at the time, now my husband, said, Mahisha, you are – mixing and matching all these products at your bathroom sink and making things in your own concoction. Why not look into something regarding hair care? Like, this is something that you're passionate about. I thought that's a good idea, you know. And so that's how it was birthed. And dinner, we were at dinner in Santa Barbara for my birthday weekend on a napkin and talked talk, talk about the names and the products. And, and, um, and so we came back that next Monday and went to work making it happen, to make it happen. The business. So what other sacrifices did you have to make? Obviously, you're thinking about going into business for yourself, but other sacrifices that you had to make to, to get to 2002 with the founding of Curls? Sacrifice? Well, there are a lot of personal sacrifices. Right. Um, I had you know, I a total of four kids, but as I launched Curls, I wound up having two. I had my oldest already, and then I had two more back-to-back. And, and I left until by that time and mm-hmm. had two kids additional, so three total, and was working a corporate job at Pfizer, selling high blood pressure medications, et cetera, and working curls. So I was doing that plus, you know, rearing children. So the sacrifice was really all about, there are only so many hours in a day. So I sacrificed a lot of my own sanity, personal life. Sometimes I needed my husband a lot of the time to step in and really do more of the cooking and to let me get too ready to get to and just really trying to grow the business. So it all was a blur, actually, because it was such a crazy, intense time that I just don't even know how I got through it. It was really insane. (laughs) That's why I was was thinking about, you know, some of the personal sacrifices that, that you had to make. Now, obviously... In the back of your mind, you must have had some type of 
science background if you're mentioning and, and, and matching in, in, in the kitchen sink? No science background, a business major, marketing concentration, but I was just doing simplistic mixes like natural oil blends for hair mm-hmm. that weren't too heavy. Then I'm regarding and then also like leave-in conditioners. Very, very simple stuff. I hired a cosmetic chemist to do my formulations for me. But the stuff I made at home was very basic. But then I was mixing and matching different hair care brands and products. One shampoo or conditioner from this line, you know, know, styler from that line. Nothing really for me. That really was the aha product. And so that's kind of the struggle at that moment. There was a, a newly natural movement that was happening where women were looking to embrace their natural textures and start and and lots of, you know, relaxers were, relaxer sales started to decline. And so I kind of launched Curls right at the cusp of this new, mar- this new market. What was the first product that you actually put out? I, I initially had four. I started with four for the adult line and four for the kids line because I instantly realized after doing my due diligence that there was also a need for quality organic kids' hair care line, uh, products that have textured hair. So initially it was going to be adults only, but instantly we added the kids' line, four and four. It was a, a hydrating shampoo, a deep conditioner, a moisturizing leave-in conditioner, and a styling cream. The bare necessities for curly hair. And that was four for each of those brands. One for Because curls was for adults and curly cues for children. Now we have over 35 SKUs in the Curls Adult brand, 18 for Curly Cues for Kids, and we have a baby line as well, It's a Curl. I added that after I had my last child and wanted to um, have an organic line that wasn't drying for her hair. So now we have three lines, and the products are available in Target, Select Walmart, Sally Beauty, CBS, Rite Aid stores. Obviously, you have faith in yourself because you took money out of your savings account to, to to launch this company. Yes, I did. You know, you it, you have to have a little faith, and you have to invest money to make money. So it was all or nothing, and I and the stakes were real. I, I had a child to take care of, and so she was my motivation for sure. And I, I figured after doing my due diligence and doing my research and digging really into the market, it felt to me this was sheer fire. Like I, I'm tapping and I need met I'm met need here. And so it was something that I believed wholeheartedly in. When you go to a particular beauty salon or, or beauty shop, you don't see that many African American products on shelf. How does it make you feel when you walk into I'll say quota Sally's and see your product on the shelf? It's you know, it's people <laughs> ask me that question a lot and and it's not what people think. The first thing I think is, where is it positioned? Did they place it in the right shelf? <laughs> you know, um, why aren't there many of this item here? What's going on? You know, so it's not, oh, this is thing. It's instant scrutiny. If you're just joining us, I'm Johnny O'Hanson, Jr., and you're listening to In Black America from KUT Radio and speaking with Maisha Dellinger, president, CEO, and founder of Curls LLC. When did you all move to North Texas? We moved about two years ago from California to Frisco, Texas. Why so? I, my husband and I actually were on our way to date night, and I uh, <laughs> got a call from my, my accountant, and he said, even though you've been paying an X amount of dollars quarterly for your prepaid taxes, you need to spend several thousand more mm-hmm. because, you know, of the sales and, and you know, extra sales. And I thought, we, we, we had discussed this and, and considered moving. California is in the bottom 10, bottom five worst states in the U.S. to have a, smart, have a small business. Texas was in the top five. Okay. So we did 
did a quick comparison, same income, live in Dallas, Texas, same income in California. Mm -hmm. And it was a no-brainer. The amount of taxes was enough for me to move. Now, I did not want to just move because of solely just because of tax, because Wyoming was number one state. And I, quality of life is important. So I mm. had to move to a state in a city that I would actually enjoy beyond just the taxation savings. So Texas, I, only place for me, I didn't consider Houston at all, was an option. Mm-hmm. Um, San Antonio was an option. Austin was not an option. Dallas was the only option. And so it has a robust labor force here. Right. Regulations are great. The tax savings and the quality of life here. Weather is not as extreme as in other places. So it just, it was a no brainer after putting the whole puzzle together. Also, my manufacturer for the products, actually, the contract filler who builds the products for us, has always been in Dallas when I was in California. Mm. Um, let's see, Sally Beauty's in Dallas, mm-hmm. one of my vendors. I, 45 minutes flight to Walmart. I, it just makes sense. Plus, it's in the middle of the country. So you three hours Mac anywhere you want to go. Anywhere. Yep. When you look back at, at, at the process that you've gone through thus far, any lessons learned that you can pass along? A lot of lessons. Um, and things that, you know, pitfalls I avoided because I did get a mentor. I would say first, foremost, and it sounds redundant, people say this all the time, I can't just import enough to say get a mentor in your industry because mm-hmm. having a mentor and not going it alone Right. will enable you to avoid pitfalls that can cost you a lot of money. Definitely get a mentor. Number two, if you're looking to launch a product into like a retail space, don't want don't go there year one. Like take the time to establish your fan base, your demand. I thought I wanted to go to Walmart year one and I actually pitched it and was rejected. Mm-hmm. I'm glad it happened because if you don't sell and you don't have enough demand, mm-hmm. you put the product on yourself as a sell, you're gonna get your product returned with a huge bill that could cost your shirt and your business. So take the time to build your demand before you try to go big into the big box retailers. That's a number one, a number two bullet for me. And then number three, do your due diligence. You should know your market inside and out and know your competition. You need to know what your market's all about, all about your competition, what, and know about everything you need to know to make sure you're successful from pricing, how much you should price your product for, what kind of profit margin you're going to get. You need to know you know, who your competitors are, how they're doing their business, where they place, what kind of stores are they in. There's so much to know about your industry, but you need to spend the time to do your due diligence so that there aren't any surprises and that you're prepared to really um, actively participate and compete. Tell us about the TV show, Mind Your Business with Maisha on OWN Network. How did that come about? Yeah, producers actually approached me to do a show. They had an idea which is the mixture of the prophet meets the shark tank with a sprinkle of Yama Fix My Life. That's, that's what I thought. That's exactly what I yeah. thought. Go ahead. Yeah, that's the premise of the show, but they wanted to do it just for black women. And so this was, I'm the expert helping other female-based business owners succeed. And there are eight different women, eight different industries that we help. And we, we start from top to bottom, take for five days, one episode to show each even beyond helping the individual business owner, just watching the show, you can actually glean from it and take notes and learn. How did you go about selecting the individuals that were going to be on the show? Uh, that was a casting thing. I didn't really have anything to do with that, but they, the casting agents found people. And they had to obviously meet criteria. Number one, they had to be a black female. They had to, number one, have a, a viable business that we could help with employees and, and obviously enough personality to, to, to really to show character and depth on TV. And what made you accept their offer? 
Well, because it's something that I've been doing on the side already. I've been informally helping people. So I figure why not do it where I'm helping it and doing it on the platform that's larger and bigger than life. I mean, it's a great idea. So I thought definitely anything with Oprah attached to it makes 100% sense. Now, I know each episode is near and dear to you, but the ones that are you've done so far that have aired, uh, which one do you like the most, if that's possible? Which one do I like the most? I, there are a lot of, I don't know if I like any one of them more than the other mm-hmm. because they all come with different issues, challenges, and personalities. Which one has um, been the most challenging one? I guess that I guess that's a that's the question. Oh, okay. The most challenging was probably eight hundred West. With okay. James. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that was uh, that was pretty interesting. I thought myself. Oh, you saw that? Yeah, that was in, you know, was not a good look for us black women. But yeah, that's that was not a very good show in the sense that I mean it was good for TV in the sense that they wanted people to be you know engaged into the emotions, but it really was a hard one to see the way everything trans, you know, transpired. Well, it seemed like it turned out all right. I mean, she was able to get some investors that was willing to, you know, to put forth some money behind her, but she would also have to, you know, lend a, lend a little bit more of herself to her own business. Right, definitely. Yeah. And do right. Just get, And the biggest thing is you have to really do right by people. Now that you're quote-unquote nationwide, how do you keep Carol at a competitive edge? Wow. I know that's... It's a never-ending cycle of there's so much competition that enters the market every year, right. year upon year. That barrier to entry is so low now. So it really is keeping fresh new products available to the customer that are customer-driven and actually beneficial, not just what you think the customer wants. But also for us, we're organic. It's, it's we're all authentic. I am the consumer, so I understand her needs. So that gives me an advantage over some of these big national chains or manufacturers like Pantene, Dubs of the World. They are trying to learn mm-hmm. how to speak to black women, but I am her, so I understand her intuitively. So that's an advantage, absolutely. I don't have to host a focus group to know what black women think. Obviously, when you started this, you were along along with your fiancé, now husband, but who makes up your team currently? Oh, well, I have a host of very important people that, sorry for them, they have, they are my right and left hands, but I am such a driver driver. It's so hard. I understand. So my team that I have are very special, very special. Monica King, all my, all of our events, we have, we sponsor up to 30 events a month, whether we are posting them ourselves or we're sponsoring someone else's or we're at a trade show. We have about 30 events a month and we have street team members. In every, most of the major cities in the U.S. that she manages all of these girls, too. My publicist, Tyra Lindsay, amazing woman who does so much work, and she pushes the brand and lots of exposure for me and the company. Then we have our warehouse staff. Without them, I mean, you wouldn't get your orders in time. They have to deal with shipping you know, to Walmart and Sally and getting our target orders out. They're very important. My social media team, again, connected with my consumers who are very important to us. So it's a team. It takes a team. When you look at the success that you've had thus far, and obviously you're committed to, to, to passing this knowledge on to, to young women, particularly African-American women, why is that important to you? Well, it's important because if I had someone that would have reached back to me and, and helped me back when I was looking for assistance and a mentor, I could have been further along in my life. So I feel like it's important to whom much is given, much is required for me to reach back and, and, and give back. So it's 
my heart to do because I, I, I would love to help someone else achieve success. Maisha Dellinger, author, reality TV host, and founder and CEO of Curls Beauty Brands. If you have questions, comments, or suggestions as to future In Black America programs, email us at inblackamerica at kut.org. Also, let us know what radio station you heard is over. Remember to like us on Facebook and to follow us on Twitter. The views and opinions expressed on this program are not necessarily those of this station or of the University of Texas at Austin. You can hear previous programs online at kut.org. Until we have the opportunity again for technical producer David Alvarez, I'm John Neal Hanson, Jr. Thank you for joining us today. Please join us again next week. CD copies of this program are available and may be purchased by writing In Black America CDs, KUT Radio, 300 West Dean Keaton Boulevard, Austin, Texas, 78712. That's In Black America CDs, KUT Radio, 300 West Dean Keaton Boulevard, Austin, Texas, 78712. This has been a production of KUT Radio.